did. Uh, yesterday, Friday and Saturday, uh, we attended the annual couples retreat up in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and uh, had a delightful time with several couples here from church. And uh, there are some pictures on the screen you'll see a little bit later. And if you're interested, next year, first, uh, first weekend in February, that'll come up again. So uh, mark your calendar uh, for next year. <clears throat> then we went uh, after the event. Several of us went up to the Hershey um, Chocolate Factory and rode, rode around. And uh, I think several couples left a good bit of uh, money uh, at the Hershey Chocolate Factory because it looked like they came out with bags of chocolate. Uh, yeah, I agree. They had a, a five-pound candy bar. I mean, the thing was this big, Dustin and I were talking about it. It's like, what, what would you ever do with that? And, of course, you say, eat it. I, I can't even imagine how many calories would be in that thing. Uh, take your Bibles. Turn to Esther chapter 8. Esther chapter 8. <clears throat> gave us a title, A Stunning Reversal. A Stunning Reversal. And then this morning I got up and thought, oh, you know what a better title would be? Extra, extra, read all about it. Haman hanged on the gallows. Extra, extra, read all about it. And uh, reading all about it, uh, that would be a good one. Satan defeated. Uh, good news. Good news. And I thought, you know, good news, bad news. You know, everybody said, you want to hear the good news? Or the bad news first. I want to hear the bad news first. Uh, <clears throat> we'll give you the good news first. Uh, Satan is defeated. What's the bad news? Uh, there is still a payment called hell. Sin still has to be paid for. And Esther chapter 8 helps us uh, to realize this. On that day, uh, Haman has been hanged. Uh, let's go back to chapter 7, verse 10. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. And that's the, that's the big news item of the day. <clears throat> uh, but immediately uh, thereafter, uh, Esther realizes that they're still under the penalty. The good news is the enemy has been defeated. And I've got good news for you in the Christian life. Again, Satan, the enemy, has been defeated. He is a defeated foe. He was defeated on Calvary's cross when Christ paid the final penalty and he cried, it is finished. It is paid for. The legal debt has been paid. <clears throat> However, you must avail yourself to the legal remedy in order to escape the penalty of sin. So verse 1, chapter 8. On that day did the king, Ahasuerus, uh, give the house of Haman, the Jew's enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king for Esther had told what he was unto her. It was the first time that the king realized the two of them were related and that he had helped, <clears throat> that he could be trusted. Now, the king's making some connections. Mordecai, I, th th I know that name because he's the guy that revealed the plot. He's the guy that we read about just two days ago. He's the guy that... Uh, had, we had done nothing for him, yet he still served me faithfully at the gate. He, he's the guy that I can trust. Uh, verse 2, And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. <clears throat> and Esther spake yet again before the king, and fell down at his feet. <clears throat> Why? 
and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Again, good news, bad news. The good news is Haman has been defeated. The bad news is the, the Jewish people are still under a death penalty. The good news today, 2024, Jesus Christ has paid the penalty. He has, he has, he has made things right. He has defeated the enemy, but the penalty for sin has, has to be satisfied and you have to avail yourself to that legal remedy. So she cries, put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he has devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter towards Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. She is still under that mandate. She, in chap, in, in, in previously, uh, she had gone before the king and uh, Mordecai said, go before the king, seek, re- seek remedy for the Jewish people. And Esther said, I can't unless he call for me. If I go and he doesn't call for me and he does not extend the scepter, then I can be put to death. And Mordecai said, well, you best go because if the Jewish people perish, you're going to perish right along with them. And so Esther said, I'll go, you fast. And after three days of fasting, I'll go. If I perish, I perish. So she went before the king. The king extended the scepter. But here we are. Uh, she's, she's going before the king again. Now, the king has to extend the scepter again. Again, we learn from uh, about uh, King Ahasuerus that he was a brutal, a brutal, brutal, brutal ruler. Uh, uh, ruler. <clears throat> and so she's with tears. She goes in. She bows herself. He extends the scepter. She stands up. Now, verse 5, And said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come up unto my people, or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Uh, then the king, Ahasuerus, said unto Esther the queen, and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. So the king is, he probably scratching his head a little bit. Uh, I understand what you're saying, that the Jews are under the penalty of, uh, of the law that was passed because I signed it with my ring and that can't be undone. And so if you can think of a legal remedy that will satisfy, that will not negate the law of the Medes and Persians, but will give remedy to the Jewish people under that same law, then write it. Uh, but, man, i probably shaking his head a little bit. I'm not sure how that's going to fall out. Uh, 
Verse 9, Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, which is the month Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews, and to the lieutenants, and the deputies and rulers of the provinces which are from India unto Ethiopia, and hundred and twenty and seven provinces unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their language, to their writing and according to their language. Big, there's a lot to do to, to disseminate this. And we'll show verse 9. That's a long verse, isn't it? Aren't you glad we don't give that out for vacation, Bible school, Sunday school? Uh, can you imagine if the kids got that and had to come in here and, uh, and memorize that in one night? Uh, that's an important verse. And we'll show the importance of that in the day and age in which we live in just a few moments. Verse 10. And he wrote in the king... Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries, wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together, and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for prey." What does that mean? Well, up until this point, the Jewish people were condemned to die. On the day that Haman had specified, the nation was going to rise up against the Jewish people. They were going to kill them. They were going to take their property. It was going to be taken into the treasure house of the king. The people that uh, that did the killing, they were going to get a, a financial benefit from that as well. He can't undo that. So what the law was written that Mordecai wrote was that you can go after the Jewish people to take their life, but the king is now empowering the Jewish people to kill you when you do, to gather themselves together and to stand in unity. And so now the people are thinking, now before I could go in, I could kill them and I could get their property and I was going to give it to the king. But now the king is standing up for in favor of them. And if I go against them, I'm going against the king. They're going to, they're going to kill me. The Jewish people are going to come after me individual. And the people said, oh, you know what? Uh, we're not going to go after the Jewish people. We're not going to do that. And without negating the previous law that said the Jewish people could be killed and their property taken, the new law has said the Jewish people can now stand up and protect themselves and they can gather together, they can make an army, they can protect one another, they can stand for their life. Uh, wow, uh, that, that's, that's important. And it had to be worded so that it did not negate the previous order. It didn't. Uh, you could still go uh, up to up to the guy and try to try, to the Jewish man and try to kill him and steal his stuff, but don't be surprised if he shoots back. Uh, you can take a sword and go up to him uh, to his door and with the design of taking his life and taking his family and taking his property, but don't be surprised if he doesn't drop a hot oil bucket on your head <clears throat> or come out from behind a bush with a spear and run you through. Which caused people to think, uh, this, this is not worth it. 
And it wasn't. Upon one day in all the provinces, verse 12, of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is in the month Adar. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the post that rode upon mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan the palace, and Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, with a great crown of gold, and with a garment of fine linen and purple, in the city of Shushan, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. So again, thinking as a person would think in this day and age, we have seen Haman, he pretty brutal. We've seen Haman build the gallows. We see that Haman's economy has been dealt a death blow. And we see that the king has promoted this Jewish guy to a high-ranking position in government. We, we probably shouldn't mess with that. We probably should. It was a great, uh, it was a great thing. Uh, verse 16 tells us, The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and this decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. So I said, you know what? I think, I, I think I'm going to be a Jew. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, I, uh, just, just kind of an interesting uh, change of circumstances literally overnight. Good news, bad news, a stunning reversal. Uh, Let's pray. Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts this morning as we uh, go through the passage and talk about present day uh, implications of and applications of the Bible truth that we would be that we would understand and uh, be able to make those comparisons and to be motivated uh, to take the good news uh, to a world that is living under a death sentence, needlessly. And Father, we'll praise you for what you do this morning. It is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Verse 1, we're reminded of uh, the first thing, and that is the enforceable law of sin and death. The Jewish people were under, and it was enforceable, an enforceable law of sin and death. Esther had been honored. Mordecai given position and power. He'd been given the ring. He'd been given the garments. Verse 3, Esther still knew that there was a problem. And so here we are, 2024, in church, uh, here in Alexandria, Virginia, and we understand that the world is living under an enforceable law of sin and death. The payment is brutal. The king is brutal in the Persian Empire. King Ahasuerus, we talked about him last week, Herodotus talking about uh, uh, how that uh, uh, his friend that wanted his, his sons delivered from military service, he had them cut in half, set on either side of the road, forcing the, mar- the army to march between them and say, don't, 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 ever, don't ever ask. Don't ever presume upon our friendship. That was the king. Sin and its consequences is brutal. 
Satan is still on his throne, but he's been defeated. Been defeated. So Esther falls at the, at the king's feet, besought with tears. Again, the quote, to put away the mischief, the sin of Haman. And, and how does that relate to the day and age in which we live? I'm reminded of Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 23 of that chapter says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that is a, the desperate consequences of sin in 2024. We know that Satan is still alive and out there. We know that he is a defeated foe. We have read the end of the book. Uh, we know where he is headed. We know what is in store. Last year, we memorized Revelation chapter 20. And the beast and the false prophet and, and Satan were cast in the lake of fire and brimstone uh, forever and ever. And that's the end. But why, why go with him? Why suffer needless loss? Why do that? Verse 6, uh, she has a burden for how can I endure... To see the evil that shall come upon unto my people. I'm thinking at this point, Esther is thinking in the king's house as the queen. I'm probably going to be safe, even with the law that's been passed. I don't think anybody is going to cross King Ahasuerus to come into the kingdom to try to have me killed. I don't think that. But how can I live with myself knowing that others are under the condemnation of death and I've done nothing about it? And so here we are in 2024. You know that Satan has been defeated. You know that Jesus Christ paid the penalty on the cross. But how can you live with yourself, Esther? How can you live with yourself knowing that your friends... Your relatives, your co-workers, your fellow students, the businessman that you associate with on a daily basis, uh, your fellow uh, military guys or mechanics or custodians or race car guys, whatever you do, that they are under the condemnation of death. Do you have a burden for them? You should. You should. It's just common sense that Esther would have a burden for those that are condemned. Don't, don't you like leaders like that who can empathize with the people in their care that are going through a tough time, even though they are not going to be subject to that penalty? But they care for the, their employees, the people that are working for them, and they try to make remedy for that. Don't, wouldn't you like to work for a boss like that? Wouldn't you like to have a friend like that? Uh, sure, sure you would. <clears throat> and so uh, you can shout, uh, Haman is wrong. Haman's been defeated. Uh, you, we should be shouting. You are under the condemnation of sin and death and Satan and hell. It's a real thing. But you can be delivered. It's good news. Good news, bad news. The good news is Satan has been defeated. 
The bad news is, if you don't, again, avail yourself to the legal remedy for sin, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you are under that death penalty. Esther 8 is, to, to me, has a lot of impact about the necessity of us today to inform the world that they, they are under that penalty. You can, we can try to deny it. People do try to deny the existence of the law of sin and death. But denying its existence is not going to negate its consequences. The eternal shame. It's also interesting in chapter 8, going in chapter 7 and verse 10, Haman was hanged on the gallows. It's a reminder that those that seek to destroy Christ and Christ's message will themselves be destroyed. They are under that decree of destruction. And, and we look at what is going on in the world today, maybe even some things that are going on in your life right now, and you think, wow, this is desperate. There's no end in sight. There's no remedy in view. But one day, one day later, that all changes. In one day, Haman is defeated. Haman is hanged. Mordecai is promoted. Esther's going before the king and saying, give us, give us a legal remedy. And in one day, this all changed. And it looked desperate up until 24 hours ago. But today, it's exciting. It's exciting. <clears throat> the world does not understand their need, which is why we must, like Esther, go. What do they do? Uh, Zhang Bo and Yi Cheng, uh, they, were, uh, they were dating. He uh, started having an affair with her while he was still married. And uh, he did not tell her that he had two children. He had a, a little boy and a little girl. He had a, a daughter that was two years old, and he had a son that was one year old. Uh, but he divorced his wife, and the two of them were going to get married. And so he thought that it might be a good uh, idea just before the wedding uh, to tell her that he had two children. And so he did. He said, I have two children. I have a daughter. She's two. And I have a son that is one. And the new, the new gal said, I don't want children. They're going to be a drag on our relationship. And so uh, we, need, we need to get rid of them. And he said, well, well, what can we do? And she said, well, we live on the 15th story of uh, this building. Let's just throw them out the window. And he said, well, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Uh, so, so they did. Uh, they took their two-year-old and their one-year-old, their two-year-old little girl, and they uh, threw them out the window. And then the police came, because there are two bodies down on the street, right? And said, what happened? Well, you know, they were playing, and they fell out the window. Uh, well, it, it, it appeared from the, uh, where, the, where the bodies laid uh, that uh, they, were, they were launched out the window. And the police said, no, oh, no, that didn't end up. So it, it came out that, and it just cleared court. As one of those court cases that came up, it just cleared court in the last, in the last several days. A Chinese court, it's over in China, uh, ruled that they were guilty of murder. And here's what the China court said. This is a despicable, it is a despicable crime. And you, you, you will, you will be killed. 
and uh, they received the death penalty there in China for killing those two precious little children that had done what? Nothing wrong. They had done nothing wrong. But here we are. Uh, we, have, we have done something wrong. We are able-bodied adults, and we are choosing to ignore the consequences of sin and death, or, and we have the truth that Esther had, that there is a penalty for wrong, and we're not doing anything to warn others. That seems to be egregious offense. It's easy to look at somebody like this and say, boy, those, those two people were absolutely dead wrong. No, no pun intended. They, they were wrong in what they did. But more difficult to see that we are wrong. Without Christ, that person without Christ needs salvation. But the Christian with the gospel message needs to proclaim it. And to withhold that good news would be wrong. For Esther to have reprieve, we're excited about that. But for Esther to keep silence, we would say, well, that's, that's kind of self-serving. But here we are, again, 2024. We have, we're, we're free. If you know Christ, you're not under the penalty of sin and death. You have the promise of heaven and eternity, but to not share that good news, to not tell others there is a remedy, to take that satisfaction, that inheritance that you have, and not share with others that there is hope. Can, can you see that the egregiousness of silence? Esther could. Esther could. What did she tell them? Uh, what, what did they do? Mordecai drafted a superseding law. So we have the law of sin and death, but now we have a law that supersedes that. It doesn't cancel out the effects of the old law. It supersedes it. It gives revenue. It gives remedy. So, so what Christ did on the cross supersedes the law of sin and death. It is a remedy, but it doesn't cancel the effects of the fact that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For God so loved the world, the remedy, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. You don't have to perish, but can have everlasting life. The Haman, it, and it's, listen, it is urgent. Not only is it necessary, but it is urgent. It's an urgent message. Why? Because the previous law has been in effect. Uh, it went into effect on the 13th day of the first month. Now, in Esther chapter 8, it's the 23rd day of the third month. And it's a large province. It's going to take a long time for this new law, this remedy, to get out to the 127 provinces. Because, again, there's no uh, Facebook, Internet, Snapchat, uh, email. Uh, there's no uh, big, big newspaper that's going to be on the newsstands and dis distributed at 8 o'clock every morning, the next morning, to say, an extra, extra, read all about it. Uh, Haman's been defeated. There's, there's a new law on the books. It's going to take a while. 
here we are in 2024. It takes a while to get the news to the world. Do you ever, do you ever think, why? God saved me. He did. He paid the price on Calvary. Yes, he did. Why, why, why does he? Why are we here? Going through all this craziness. Earthquakes and uh, hurricanes and snowstorms and uh, death and disease and cancer. Why, why are we going through all this suffering? Why doesn't he just take us home? Right now. Well, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us why. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's going to take a while to get to these 127 provinces. Likewise, today, this remedy for sin that, ne- that needs to be applied has to go out to all the world. We, uh, we uh, last week, last Sunday night, we voted to take on the Minion family to Brazil. Now, Jennifer uh, was, uh, she is fluent in Portuguese, but uh, Brother Minion is not. And so it's going to take a while. Uh, we were the, one of the first churches that took them on for support. They're just getting started on deputation. They are hopeful that they will be in Brazil uh, with the message of God's salvation in about, I don't know, probably 12, 14, maybe 18 months. Why? It takes, it takes time to raise your support. And they're working on that. And I think God is going to prosper them. I believe uh, that they'll probably be uh, heading to the mission field in a year. But even then, it's going to take him a little bit of time to get fluent in the language. But in the meantime, there's a group of people in Brazil that are under the law of sin and death. So why doesn't God just come back right now? Because there's a group of people in Brazil that are under the law of sin and death. And and they haven't received word yet that there's a remedy. Brother Minion is willing to, to, to uproot his family, to take his children, to raise support, to go to a different country with the king's decree. Extra, extra, read all about it. Satan has been defeated on Calvary's cross. There is a remedy for your sin. You do not have to die unnecessarily. You don't have to pay the penalty. You can have victory. He's willing to do that. But here again, here we are in Alexandria. Most people speak English. Or understand English. So we don't have to learn a new language. We already have the good news, but will you go? Every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, uh, we get together uh, here. We have breakfast. We have a challenge from God's Word. 10 o'clock, we're out uh, knocking on doors. Doing what? Because we have a mandate. We, we know the English language, and there are people in our in the kingdom, right here in Alexandria, that have never heard the news. And we go, how do we do it? Door to door. Extra, extra, read all about it. There's good news. Christ has paid the penalty for sin. You can avail yourself to that. And and you know what some people do? They say, no, thank you. I'd rather die in sin. I'd rather pay the penalty in hell forever. 
Some people do that. Some people receive the message. I, I want to say it was probably seven years ago when we were in a neighborhood uh, along the Potomac River, uh, just south of the Beltway. And uh, again, a very nice neighborhood, very nice homes. And we knocked on a door and we knocked on this lady's door and somebody left her a gospel track. And this week she wrote me a letter. She said, you don't know me, you wouldn't remember me. Uh, but uh, uh, several years ago, you folks were in my neighborhood and you knocked on my door and you left me a gospel track. And I know, I know Christ is my Savior and I, I just want you to be encouraged to keep at it. I thank you for doing that. And it's just, um, wow. And you say, you know, no, nobody's paying attention. Yes, yes, they are. Not everybody will, but some will. But it, whether or not they do, how, how can we live with ourselves if we don't take the good news of the gospel message that there is a legal remedy. <clears throat> so we send missionaries to the Far East, to the Middle East, to Europe, to Canada, to South America, to Africa, to, to take the time to raise the support, to learn the language, and sometimes to translate the warning into the various languages. That's the importance of verse 9. You read that and go, well, I went here and there and on Mews and Korthbeck. And they, and they trans, and they translated the, the, the good news into every language, which is what we should still be doing today. <clears throat> but if you were without Christ, and I fell on my knees before you this morning, and weeping, and begged you to come to Christ, would you do it? I have done that. I have done that. And a man talked to me yesterday, and he, said, he gave me a situation. He said, what would you do? And I said, I'll tell you what I would do and what I have done. He said, I got down on my knees and begged them to flee the wrath to come. I had a young lady. Uh, she, uh, she, she was in my office a number of years ago, and I got down on my knees and I begged her to flee the wrath to come, to not throw her life away, to avail herself of the legal remedy. And she looked at me and she said, uh, Pastor, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I know that I did what I could to plea with her to avail herself to the legal remedy. You can't force somebody to do it, but can't you shed a tear on behalf of that person who is condemned? Romans chapter 3 verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God which out the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law, and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. There is no difference. Magno Sergio Anomes, he's a man from Brazil, he was gifted a what is known as a delicacy in many parts of the world. He was gifted a fish. A toxic Puffer fish. I don't know if you're familiar with a puffer fish, but it is if you know how to handle it and if you are you are skilled 
and you, you know what parts are poisonous and what parts are not. And again, it is considered a delicacy. I, you know, I think I'll, I'll stick to freshwater perch, I think, uh, from the Michigan uh, lakes. But uh, he, he and his buddy got this, this fish. And they said, you know what, we're going to cook that thing up. And so they, they opened it up, and they, you're already shaking your head. It's not going to go well. And they took what they thought were the poisonous parts out, and they cast it aside, and they fried that thing up, and they, <clears throat> and they ate it. And 20 minutes later, uh, they were rushing them uh, to the hospital. <clears throat> the toxic puckerfish, pufferfish is 1,200 times more poisonous than cyanide. So Magno, 46 years of age, given this gift that should only be handled by expert chefs, the poison of which there is no no antidote. He felt the effects within 20 minutes. He died within hours. Say, what what a tragedy. Absolutely what a tragedy. And so you can say, don't touch sin. Because it has tragic consequences. But the truth of the matter is, people touch sin. Sin, They have been touched by sin. But here's the neat thing about sin. There is a known antidote. Can you imagine this 46 years of age, this guy 46 years of age, has this uh, reaction to this poison. 20 minutes, they rush him to the hospital. And the hospital says, well, what did he do? Well, he ate ate the puffer fish. And they go, oh, wow. Oh, that's terrible. Um, uh, without the antidote, he's going to die. But I have, there is an antidote. Can you imagine if there were? And the hospital said, but we're not going to tell you about it. You say, what? Are you seriously? That would be some major uh, malfeasance. That would be wrong. It would be criminal. And you would be right. But again, here we are. Sin, which is a whole lot more deadly than the puffer fish, and we have the antidote. And we sit here and say, Oh, you've got a problem with sin. You are, sorry, fellow, you are going to die and you're going to go to hell for all eternity. But we don't do anything to warn them. We don't say, uh, you, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to suffer. Uh, you could have the antidote. Uh, and I have the antidote, but I'm not going to tell you about it. I'll come to your funeral. And I'm going to tell everybody, I had the antidote. You could have been rescued. But I didn't share it. Criminal. For a Christian not to be concerned about those who are lost. It is criminal. Because there is an enforceable law of sin and death. There is a superseding law of life in Christ. And there is the necessity to avail yourself to the solution. So here we are, Sunday morning, 8.30, you're here. And you would say, uh, if I had you bow your heads and close your eyes, how many of you have availed yourself to the solution? I'm looking around the room, and I think I know everybody pretty well, and I've heard your testimony, and I think everybody raised their hand. Yes, I have availed myself to the solution. The Jews had light, verse 16 says. They had light and gladness and joy and honor. Why? Because they had a legal remedy. And we, today, at 8.30, we have light and joy and gladness because we have a remedy. We have hope. The solution has been signed, sealed. Delivery is taking place in the world today, right now. They were absolutely going to avail themselves of the solution. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? 
Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whoso believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so here we are in Esther chapter 8. There is a law of sin and death. Uh, there is a superseding law of life in Christ. But you have to avail yourself of the solution in order to be free from the condemnation of the previous law. And there's no difference. Jew, Greek, Jew, Persian, everybody is under that condemnation. Psalm 126, verse 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth uh, uh, sowing weep and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Turn with me to one passage, uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Everybody must avail themselves of the solution. In in Luke, chapter 1, we read this uh, chapter at Christmas time. It's a very, very popular passage. Mary availed herself to the solution. Look at Luke, chapter 1, verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctor, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and thy mother, I have sought thee sorrowing. When he said unto them, How is it that she sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. He gave the solution to Mary. Male Mary availed herself to the solution to the solution, my Lord and my God. Everybody, everybody must. There's a sad news story in our immediate area that that happened just this week. Tuesday of this last week, a pastor uh, uh, Corey is assistant pastor at Calvary Road Baptist Church over on Beulah Street. He'd been assistant pastor there for many years. He just accepted the uh, uh, position as a senior pastor in, in southwest Virginia. And uh, as a result, he put his house on the market and he uh, was uh, cleaning up because it had sold almost immediately. We got a hot, hot uh, real estate market in our area. So the house sold. Uh, so he's making preparation. You lived in a house a lifetime. You just got a lot of junk. You got a lot of stuff. You got rid of me. You're like, do I really want to pay money to move this junk uh, from Alexandria to Southwest Virginia? And the answer was no. And so uh, he had a lot of paper stuff 
uh, newspaper and magazines, letters, correspondence, bills, and he should have called shred it uh, and just uh, let, let the people shred it. Uh, but instead, he said, you know what, I'm going to do a burn bill in the backyard. And so he got the burn bill in the backyard and he put all this paper in. And if you've ever seen stacks of paper try to burn, they don't burn very well. They, don't, they do not burn very well at all. Uh, so he, needed, he, he recognized immediately these papers need some help. And so he went into the garage and got the gas can and went out and uh, poured some gas onto the fire. Uh, in, uh, yeah, you're shaking your head. No, it's, yeah, it's not going to go good. And the, the fire followed the path of the gasoline, entered the can, and the can of gasoline exploded in his hand uh, Tuesday. And he uh, went from uh, being a candidate to be the new pastor of Southwest Virginia uh, to the burn unit over in Washington, D.C. They met a vacuum over. He burned on 80% of his body. His wife came out, saw that he was on fire, uh, uh, threw a rug over top of him to try to extinguish the flames. She got burned on her hand. Just, just really, really sad. I tell you, when I heard that, it brought tears to my eyes. Brought tears to my eyes. How things can change in a moment. And if I saw that man on fire, would I not do something? What his wife did was common sense. That's grab the first available resource that you see and try to extinguish the flames. Even to her own hurt. Because she loved her husband. But here we have a world that is within our grasp and that is their destiny and we're not going to do anything to stop it to prohibit it to warn them to caution them to beg them Father I thank you for your word we pray for Pastor Corey this morning he's there in the burn unit he's going to be there for two months in ICU Our heart grieves for him. Father, I pray that as Christians, that we would see the comparison. Now, there is a world around us that is going to a hellfire that is forever and never will be extinguished. And we have in our grasp the solution, the key, the help that can deliver them from the law of sin and death. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say this morning, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. And God helping me, I'm not going to be silent. God helping me, I'm going to do what I can with the language that I possess to share with people that are under the death sentence, condemnation of sin and hellfire. I'm going to do my best to share with them the solution, the good news. Would you pray for me as I go? Yes, wonderful, good, good, excellent. Father, I thank you for Christians. I pray that we would be motivated to take the solution to the world that is under condemnation. Be able to say, good news, good news, read all about it. Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for sin and death. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this morning, but you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior.
give me the opportunity, I would absolutely get down on my knees, as Esther did, with tears in my eyes, and beg you to avail yourself of the solution. I would do that. Say, preacher, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? Slip your hand up. Hold it up for just a moment. I'm here. I don't know Christ. Let's stand to our feet. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. Caitlin's playing on the piano. The altar's open. You want to pray. Pray Pray for our nation. Pray for our community. Pray for someone you're very burdened about that you've tried to warn to flee the wrath to come. The altar's a great place to do that. May God bless you as you come.